Cause we got the alternative energy right. For a nuclear free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hello, it's another Radioactive Show Brought to you this week by Crunch Today's show is broadcast on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. For today's show, I had a discussion with Ginny, an organiser with Auckland Peace Action, about the Week of Peace, or more specifically, the Week of Taking Action Towards Peace, held in and around Auckland in Aotearoa, New Zealand, from the 14th to 20th of November. It was a really interesting conversation and inspiring to hear about the piecework across the Tasman Ocean. And later in the show, I play an excerpt of Scott Ludlam's presentation to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network Conference, which was held in October in Alice Springs, and marked 50 years of the Pine Gap facility. He discusses where to next with the peace movement in Australia. But first, my chat with Ginny. Hello, Ginny. Thanks very much for joining us. And just to start out, I'm wondering if you could tell listeners about the Week of Peace being organised by Auckland Peace Action. What are the plans for that? Um, so essentially, I'll I'll begin by just telling you it's a response to um, what the government's got planned, which is essentially a week of war. Mm. Um, so the week being soldiers, warships and arms dealers descending on Auckland for around the 75th anniversary of the Navy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this will include Weapons Expo, sponsored by Lockheed Martin, which is the world's um, biggest weapons manufacturer. Mm. So um, essentially the government will be celebrating war and aiming to have more people to sign up to fight and die in wars and polishing their public image of killing and dying in war. Mm. Um, So we've come together to oppose the celebration and glorification of war Mm. so we're responding by um with a week of peace um and we're wanting to actively work for peace and and ask the government not to prepare for and fund war Mm. so the week's going to include like non-violent direct action training and build up to a blockade so we're going to physically block access to the weapons expo on the 16th and we have a lecture with um, Helen Caldcott. She's actually coming over from Australia. Mm. So she's a renowned nuclear disarmist. Um, and we also have a peace flotilla that will be going out and meeting the warships. Oh, awesome. So it sounds like you've got a really great mix of education, awareness, kind of workshops, and then also combining that with some direct action and actually putting, um, creating obstacles to this uh, arms. Yeah fair display and and that's just really a little bit of what we've got going on as well because other groups have taken up the challenge as well so essentially we wanted to start a conversation around um acting for peace and it's actually worked pretty well in reinvigorating that discussion in our communities Mm. and on those discussions I was going to ask you I was looking on the website and saw about the Parihaka Peace Action Conference that has already happened and thought that was interesting linking that colonial violence with your protests could you explore that just a bit for us yeah um we had a that was actually a really great event we had a really um good mixture of people from um throughout we had a lot of um different speakers from the pacific talking Mm. about how our militarization has impacted 
impacted their um, nations. And we had a really great discussion from um, Emily Rakati from No Pride in Prisons on mm-hmm. how racism is made necessary by um, the capitalist structure. So mm-hmm. essentially the themes that came out of that day were along the lines of militarization and its relationship with colonialism and capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um so the spirit of Parihaka is essentially a dedication and commitment to peaceful resistance against um, violent colonialism. And we had our conference on the day um, so that we could recognise the history in New Zealand of non-violent activism and continue the struggle for justice for Māori, Tangata Whenua and Indigenous peoples. Mm. Um, so, yeah, many of our speakers highlighted those issues are very much present today, um, like with the prison system. And um, Indigenous people are still continue to be actively colonised. In the case of Guam, we have the US um, using it as its um, kind of military hub, mm. where it's a leading recruiting site. So it's um, polluting their waters and destroying the unique traditions. So essentially, like, what really the discussion centred around that we have a kind of capitalist economic system and we have a military industrial complex where companies lobby for manufacture and perpetuate war in order to make their profit. So really needs to be understood as an extension of capitalism. It's mm. used to attain precious resources that corporations have no rights to and other governments have no rights to. So um, countries continue to be colonised and we see this in Guam where the people are being treated as a resource for war. Yeah, it's so important to make those links and we had a show recently about exploring the links between militarism and climate change and capitalism and it's crucial that um, even if some movements are working on somewhat separately that still all those connections and solidarity is explored and yeah definitely yeah so really heartening to hear that that's a key part of your organizing yeah definitely that's our main we really want to try and get that conversation going and connecting the dots essentially between our struggles because they're all the same one You're listening to The Radioactive Show and hearing a discussion between myself, Crunch, and Jeannie from Auckland Peace Action. She's discussing the Week of Peace, which was held in opposition to the government's Week of War in Auckland, and the links between militarisation, colonialism and capitalism. Let's get back to it and hear more about solidarity among the peoples of the Pacific. really lucky because we've had um, the Pacific Panthers have been um, with us from the beginning Mm. um, and kind of supporting the kūpapa and we're trying to work together in like a way to amplify both voices Mm. rather than drown each other's out and so um, for example with our peace flotilla um, it's going to be really awesome because one of the the war games actually are called Mahi uh, Mahi Tangaroa, mm. Maha Tangaroa. And so essentially they've, you know, taken this distinctively um, Indigenous New Zealand aspect to just further their their kind of conceal and their propaganda. It's essentially just propaganda, really. Mm. Um, so it's we're going to have a Karanga Tangaroa to launch the Peace Flotilla, mm-hmm. where um, there'll be a gathering which has been coordinated by the Pacific Panthers to reclaim that name back. 
Mm. And so it's been really nice to work together. We've got um, the, you know, the piece squadron from the 80s will be out on the water and then we have the young Pacific Panthers and old Pacific Panthers doing the Karanga Tangaroa to bring those causes together. Mm. Awesome and so yeah it really sounds like I was reading on on your site that I like the way you framed it about peace meaning action rather than passivity and I think there is sometimes a perception of sort of especially maybe the old peace movement and being really passive and yeah, totally. necessarily pacifist. So it's it's refreshing that you're putting it out there in terms of all the action that needs to be taken towards peace. Yeah, and that's like an active discussion. I mean, even with our group, we still there's still that kind of mentality that can be that we don't want to be active. They, there's a lot of people that associate um, peace with passivism, passivism. Um, but yeah, we think it should be something that's worked for through unrelenting action, essentially. Mm. I mean, here in New Zealand, the government is working to make war happen. They're preparing for war with the major Navy training exercises in the Hauraki Gulf. Mm-hmm. So you have 17 countries, including the U.S., and Australia and Indonesia, and the government's committed an additional $20 billion to be spent over the next 15 years, Mm. and there's a major weapons expo. So essentially Mm. they're preparing for war, and governments work to make war happen by continually doing this preparation and funding armies, and then they Mm. tend to want to use them. So we need to really reject this outdated notion that weapons equal security. Um, Conflicts endemic of human society. We all know that, um, but conflict itself is okay. What makes conflict into war is the presence of vested interests who want war to happen and who actually benefit from war. So, as we see, a part of the role of the peace movement is removing those who benefit from war, the war profiteers. Mm. War isn't inevitable. It's a distinct choice among many choices and it's being planned for and prepared for and funded and so that's what you get at the end of the day. Mm. And yeah, I was interested to explore with you a bit whether this current Keys government is really vamping it up in terms of its ambitions towards war. There, I know that it, you know New Zealand is and Aotearoa is somewhat famous in Australia for having a more independent foreign policy back in the day. Um, Do you think, has that been a sudden shift or was that never really the case that there was more independence or is that something that has crept in over time? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think it's um, something that's kind of happened over time. Certainly Key has opted for like a full embrace of the U.S. military, Mm. but it's also important to recognize that there were reforms made by previous um, governments that have led us to where we kind of essentially are with this warship coming. The decision to develop weapons and military uh, military production is a trade diversification strategy away from raw materials like dairy and timber and lamb, which Mm. New Zealand's so well known for. That was made um, under the Clark government after 9-11. So people in government ministries like foreign affairs and trade cast about looking for ways to develop a higher tech society and they saw a huge security and military markets born out of the fear-mongering of 9-11 and they saw this as an opportunity so John Key has simply carried on that policy and Mm. has magnified it with his instinctively pro-American stance um, which of course means spending more money on weapons and further developing the sector. Mm. 
sounding a lot like things over here, I've got to say. <laughs> In a, a recent radioactive show, we did explore this new institute at Melbourne University sponsored by Lockheed Martin where they're pretty much going to be explicitly investigating, researching parts of military equipment, components, yeah. and it's it's just disturbing that that's infiltrating academia and not even in, yeah. a, in a subtle way but in a direct sponsorship. Is there... Yeah. Any other, any similarities to that? Um, we don't have anything, fortunately, we don't have anything as obviously grotesque as mm. a Lockheed Martin um, research institution, but they are funding um, scientists and mathematicians at the University of Auckland and Massey University. And we also know that um, a surveillance re- research done at the New Zealand universities has gone into commercial production um, mm-hmm. with a university company born out of Waikato University selling its surveillance system to the UK GCHQ. So mm-hmm. it's a spy agency over in England. So, yeah, there's, we don't have anything as obvious, but mm-hmm. there's definitely that kind of same trend happening over here. Yeah, and it it emphasises, I guess, the importance of with global capitalism and the different struggles in local communities, but also sharing those stories and tactics and strategies. Um, Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, how would folks over here in Australia um, find out more about what's happening with the Week of Peace and your activities with Auckland Peace Action? Um, They can find out more um, through our website, which is Mm. AucklandPeaceAction.nz, and we have yeah we'll we'll have regular information up there. Otherwise, we're also on Twitter at um, AK Peace Action. So yeah, they can find us there. Great. Yeah. yeah, Is there anything else in particular you'd be interested to? No, I mean it's great. Yeah, it's great to see with. it would be great to have Australian solidarity in terms of um, what's happening here in New Zealand. Um, and there's so much potential for um, much, much more collaboration mm. between our two countries. Um, we have a shared history of violent colonialism. Um, so while these histories are very different, uh, the effects on Indigenous peoples much mm. the same. So if we want peace, then I think first we really need to engage with the struggles for liberation for all of our people Mm. and first and foremost the Indigenous people in our countries. Absolutely. And, yeah, hopefully hopefully there is much, you know, work together and collaboration that can happen. Yeah, it can be simple things as well. Mm. Like um, I just I love how with Standing Rock there's been such great examples examples of how people have shown their solidarity around mm. the world and it's really get, get gaining kind of like a wider audience as well using through their social media mm. um they've managed to have global support for their struggle um so i think yeah just if we keep networking and trying to support each other through either direct action or sharing tactics or posting solidarity photos to our, our social media i mean there's so many ways we can do it yeah Friends of the Earth invites you to our annual art auction. On Friday 25th of November, join us at Arena Project Space, 
2 Kerr Street, Fitzroy, for Earth, a live and silent auction of art for Earth's sake. Viewing, bar, food and live music from 5.30. Auction begins at 7. Invite your friends, family and colleagues to help fund our national nuclear-free campaign and celebrate 40 years of holding back the nuclear industry and working for a clean energy future. Friends of the Earth is a 3CR supporter. This is The Radioactive Show and you've just heard a conversation I had with Ginny, an organiser with Orkham Peace Action, about the Week of Action for Peace. Since the conversation, hundreds of people have taken successful direct action against the International Weapons Expo in Auckland. To find out more about it, head to aucklandpeaceaction.nz. And now we'll hear a short excerpt of Green Senator Scott Ludlam's address to the IPAN, Independent Peaceful Australia Network, conference in Alice Springs. And he sometimes refers to the nearby facility, which is, of course, the Pine Gap US-Australian Joint Defence Facility in its 50th year this year. The speech was made at the start of October 2016, so over a month prior to the US elections, which he discusses. This clip is from the end of his speech, where he considers way forwards for the peace movement. So, what to do? Firstly, and these are just some very sketchy thoughts because I know that I'm speaking to a room full of practitioners who in some instances have made this your life's work. So these are some fairly quick throwaway ideas. So firstly, what if we built a strong network of dedicated people from all over the country and then brought them together so that they could build trust and share expertise? Yes. Yeah. How about this? Yeah. Here we are. So this is going well. Um, the second one, think hard about where people are at. Um, there's a measure of scepticism, I think, well-founded scepticism in the Australian population about the role of the United States in setting our foreign and defence policy. And the Trump experiment, I guess, is raising the anxiety levels. For most people, the US alliance is just probably feels like a fact of life. But as it was pointed out to me just before we come, came in here, the idea that an orange, narcissistic fascist is only one vote from the Oval Office is actually scaring the crap out of people, left and right, in the United States and here in Australia. What better time, because this window may only, what is it, 45, 50 days out from the US election. So that, that window of scepticism and of querying uh, do we actually want our foreign policy set by that guy? That is a window for a conversation to be provoked. And as Jeremy Scaler, who writes on The Intercept, actually, Secretary Clinton is the preferred candidate of empire. So it's not like, uh, you know, do you want your Armageddon fast or slow? But there is, there is at least a moment of opportunity that people might be rethinking the kind of strategic disasters that we may be led into uh, under a Trump presidency, worth thinking about. Uh, and also, I thought I had a copy with me of David Rosenberg's book. Uh, oh, I did bring it up. I don't know whether anybody's had a look at this. From 2011, the spike came in from the desert. He worked in Pine Gap. There are a couple of redactions, which I presume are just basically there for dramatic flourish. And Flick reminded me before they've redacted a section of Hansard, which is kind of funny when you think yeah. about it. You can't read it in this book, but it is on the permanent parliamentary record. Um, uh, but it is worthwhile to get a sense of how the people who work in this facility, and I'm just assuming there are a couple of spooks in the room, it would be kind of odd if there weren't, 
but how the people who, who make their lives work keeping us safe in facilities like this view the work that they do and how they view us. And there are some useful insights in, in this book um, on that score. Um, bringing our work to a wider audience and figuring out how to regenerate the movement in our language. So, what do we do that brings the interest and concerns of the next generation who, for whom the Cold War, they might have come across it in school, they might not. The Cold War is kind of rapidly receding the threat of nuclear weapons, something that activated two, three generations of people, of campaigners around the world, even though that particular movement is, is undergoing an extraordinary resurgence at the moment, and I think it provides one of the most important examples for international collaboration, but there's a generation of people coming through now who haven't thought about those issues as much as those who came before. But they are interested in drones and autonomous weapons. They are interested in what um, Ed Snowden and Julian Assange and Chelsea Manning revealed to us about modern warfare. Three individuals who couldn't be here tonight because they are under various forms of incarceration. And Chelsea in particular being subjected to the most sadistic treatment uh, for revealing war crimes to a whistleblowing website that would then put that material onto the front pages of the world's newspapers. But people pay an, an inordinately high cost for bringing these truths to us. And that has activated a generation of people who are asking what's being done in our name. Um, and that refreshed push on nuclear weapons and, and on the ban, the possibility that by this time next year, an instrument will be under draft for a formal legal ban of these horrific weapons of mass destruction that could indeed find themselves uh, in the event uh, of, of a nuclear exchange, could find themselves being guided and tracked through a base not 20 kilometers from here. So the things that we can do, and I think tomorrow's gonna to be an important part of this conversation, to bring our work to a wider audience who are going to look and maybe bear an interest in the 21st century dimensions of warfare and what's being done in our name. Um, and obviously not giving up on Parliament, and if I thought it was a waste of space, uh, we, we wouldn't work there. There's obviously a great deal that we can do about rebooting the debate about war powers and about Australian aggression. Where should the decision to deploy lie? Should we introduce into the Australian Constitution an Article 9 that simply forbids armed aggression? Why, why is that not something that is in the Constitution of every single to those of our Japanese colleagues who are doing everything they can under a pretty hard-line right-wing government that, are try that is trying to water down that important expression um, of peaceful optimism in the Japanese Constitution? And what about an inquiry into the war in Iraq? What about holding some of these people to account? who still lecture us on what we should do to stay safe after initiating that horror show and holding the focus on Pine Gap. And finally, I think that probably the most important thing and why this, this weekend is so exciting is that we can't do this work on an island. Without strong and growing relationships with like-minded colleagues overseas, we will stay trapped in our little bubble. We can learn so much from peace workers overseas and from exchanging Elements of the struggle, exchanging tactics, just learning about the different dimensions and the different footprint. Because as empire is global, actually so is global civil society. And it's one of the things that's scariest about the militarization of the internet, is that this is one of the ways in which we can dissolve some of those boundaries of tribalism which have been weaponized for decades or centuries even, that we can simply no longer afford to let that happen. But we have the tools that these communications media now to actually be able to just 
sidestep government for a moment and reach out to brothers and sisters and families and campaigners in other parts of the world, struggling in some instances under vastly more difficult circumstances than we do here in Australia, and build those links, build those person-to-person -person and community-to-community -community links, which I think is probably the only way in which we're going to make war obsolete and have that facility shut down once and for all. So thanks very much for coming out. That was Senator Scott Ludlam reflecting on ways forward for the peace movement in his speech to the Independent Peaceful Australia Network conference, IPAN, at the start of October 2016. Thanks to IPAN organisers for the recording. Earlier in the show, we heard all about the activities being taken in opposition to the New Zealand government's war-ready ambitions in the form of the Week of Action for Peace from Ginny from Auckland Peace Action Group. You can find out the latest news about the actions at AucklandPeaceAction.nz or find Auckland Peace Action on Facebook and they are keen for shows of solidarity. This has been the Radioactive Show, broadcast in Fitzroy, Melbourne on the lands of the Wurundjeri people and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Today's show was produced by me, Crunch. You can podcast our shows on 3cr.org.au under R for Radioactive Show and contact us at radioactiveshow.3thenumbercr at gmail.com. Sounds on the show are from the free sound archive. We'll go out now with a track called No Nuclear Waste by Black Boys. Thanks for listening and here's to a nuclear-free future. Long world.
Too busy to listen to 3CR Live? Catch up on a podcast or audio on demand. At 3CR's website, www.3cr.org.au.